Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss the subject of coronavirus and also other contagious illnesses and diseases. And we're going to look at how we can use proactive measures to help look after ourselves and also look at how we can protect our immune system and and continue to allow it to function at a really good level. So with that in mind, Sarah, um, how would you like to just introduce this? Because it's a very important subject and we just want to make sure that people are looking at this in the correct angle that it's intended. Absolutely. And so this is our little disclaimer. One, I am a doctor. I'm not your doctor, right? And so we don't know what's going on with you, what's going on with your specific immune system. Sometimes you don't even know what's going on with your immune system. So definitely don't take that for granted. We also want to ensure that you realize that we're talking about general solutions and we are not being prescriptive. We're not telling you what to do. We're not telling you what to think about. As usual, we're empowering you with education so that you can take next steps to decide what you want to go on and do. We don't want to cause fear around this because a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today also apply to cold and flu season. So for all of you out there who are looking to stay strong in change of seasons, this also applies. So really today, we just, again, want to empower and educate you and help you to understand what's happening and give you tools in your toolkit so that you can make choices. Absolutely. And the thing is, with that in mind, we just would very briefly talk about what the coronavirus is because everybody's been reading up on it. So we've all become experts on what it is and how it's spread. But then from there, let's really get into the, the, deep, the deep part and look at how we can protect ourselves. So just, just in um, summary, really, with the coronavirus, I think we're all very much aware that it's an upper respiratory tract infection. So, you know, from secretions, from coughing, from sneezing, it's quite easy to be able to, to pick it up. But also there's this um, very funky word called fomites. And so with fomites, it's basically how else we can pick it up. So it's from surfaces such as doorknobs. It could be from the telephone. It can be from money as well. Um, and so because of that, it's very easy for a person to be able to pick up that virus um, and then transmit it. And so that's why one of the biggest advices that, that's out there at the moment is to wash people's hands, you know, to wash hands regularly. Uh, and for instance, about 20 seconds, they're saying, and it's very specific. So it's making sure that we get into all those little grooves, all those nooks and crannies within the fingers and actually using soap rather than just popping your hands under the water and thinking that's enough. Uh, because the amount of times that we put our hands next to our mouth. Um, I found some very interesting research and uh, there's a professor at the University of New South Wales and during a one hour lecture with the medical students, they set up the video recorder and they just watched and monitored how many times people touched their face. And it was average of about 23 times that within an hour, a person would touch their face. And in particular, it was their mouth, their nose and their eyes. So if you think of how many things that we touch within an hour and how many times we're rubbing our face and scratching our nose and that sort of thing, you can see how it becomes a really quick avenue to spread viruses. 
Um, and these are all subconscious behaviors, aren't they? Scratching the nose, rubbing your eyes. How many times do you just put your hand and lean your, you know, put, put your chin on your hand if you're, you're sitting at a desk listening to a lecture? Um, and also you might even scratch or itch your ear. So there's all these different avenues um, that's happening, really. And it was, it was funny because here, um, the, in the USA, there was a woman making an announcement about the importance of hand washing and not touching <laughs> your face. And she, you could tell she had a nervous tick, but she must've touched her face. They, someone ha- counted and went through how many times she did it in that presentation. Um, so it's just, it is so subconscious, but as with all things, really this virus is just making us be aware of our immune system. It's making us ask questions about ourselves and our own health. And it's making us become aware of our subconscious behaviors. Do you touch your face all the time? Are you the person who's just, oh yeah, I'm totally fine rinsing your hands, not actually washing your hands, not using soap um, when you go through the washrooms. And so it's just, it is something to think about and it's just raising awareness of hygiene and all of our behaviors. That's right. And it is about that raising awareness. And as I say this next bit, you know, because we're not wanting to do any scaremongering or fear or anything like that, but it's just realizing how easily these things can be transmitted. And at this point, becoming quite hypervigilant in a sense. Um, so we become more mindful because remember, all those actions of touching our face are subconscious behaviors. And as we've learned in the first season, and we'll continue to learn um, that subconscious behaviors really dictate most of our daily habits in life and so if we can become more mindful and use the front part of our brain to start overriding those subconscious actions we can help to reduce that transmission to for ourselves and others and i just wanted to put this little scenario to people so if you imagine say you are infected and you don't realize you've just got a bit of a cough or a sneeze and you think oh it's not the corona it's just you know head cold irrespective of if it is or not it's still you know a contagious whatever you've got is going to be contagious imagine if you've just coughed your hand and then you go into the supermarket and you take a shopping trolley and you put that at your hand then onto the handle of the shopping trolley and you go around shopping you might pick up items on the shelf read the labels put them back on the shelf different things like that go to the self-service press the keypad you know or the screen just to um to pay for your products and then in between all that time you might have coughed into your hand again And then you get into the car, you may live in an apartment. So you go into the elevator, cough cough again into your hand and then press the button into the elevator and go up to the floor that you're in and go off and do your own business. All those places that your hand has been in contact with, if we haven't been quite diligent and either wiped the shopping trolley handle before we've used it or just put a little bit of tea tree oil or alcohol gel on our hands each time we've coughed or if we haven't coughed into a tissue, for instance, um, those things are being transmitted on buttons of the, um, in the elevator as well as shopping trolleys and even on products such as the things we've picked off the shelf, looked at and put them back in. So without people becoming paranoid and we really don't want to be bringing that in, but can you see how things can spread quite quickly? And it's actually about just being prepared, having your, you know, the hand sanitizers, maybe just having those wipes if the supermarkets don't provide that by the shopping trolleys already. Um, but becoming more aware, more conscious of how we're living at the moment just to protect ourselves and others. 
And I think that's the big thing with this specific virus, as opposed to influenza, for example. Influenza generally has a three to five day incubation period. Whereas, so that's essentially the period of time with within which you've gotten the virus to when you start to show symptoms. Um, but the we also see a 14-day period, um, a known 14-day period. We don't actually know for sure because this virus is always changing um, period of time with this. And so that's why it can spread so quickly because you may not even know, like you may not even feel into the weather um, when this is happening. That being said, we do believe that you need to feel ill in order to transmit. So that's why it is extra important to just not assume it's the flu because it is cold and flu season as well. Um, but, but these are just things to think about and why it makes it a bit different. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it can become undetected, can't it? Because people can be going around positive Mm -hmm. and they don't have any symptoms. So that's why just general care and hygiene and just that um, diligence just generally at this point as well is is really important because we don't actually know sometimes in that way. Um, So with that in mind, I just thought, could we start to just discuss a bit about the immune system and how the immune system is is such a powerful force and what we can do to support it? Because we can't do much about the coronavirus. It's out there at the moment and other infections, but we can do things with our internal environment to start boosting and helping to, to become a bit more resilient to these things. Absolutely. And I think that's a big thing to discuss is what affects the immune system in general. And Mm -hmm. so there are plenty of things. And I always say, if you are elderly or you have a baby or someone who's very young, these people are going to be more dramatically affected. Same with if someone is on an immunosuppressive medication, if you have an autoimmune disease, all of these situations are situations in which your immune system is already not working to its full capacity. And therefore, we need to be more vigilant and more aware. Um, Outside of that, or even including those people, but outside of that, if you're generally well, no concerns, we know that big influences on the immune system is your digestive system. So 60 to 80% of your digestive system or of your immune system sits in your digestive system. So with that, digestive health is really important. And in one of the tests that I do for looking at digestive health and digestive immunity, we're looking at something called secretory IgA. If your secretory IgA levels are very low, that's your first line defense. That's what sweeps everything through your system before it gets inside. So that's very important. It's just a sign of immunity uh, from a digestive level. Stress is also critically important in this. Um, And so cortisol, right? We think of hydrocortisone cream. You use it to lower the inflammatory response. But chronic elevated cortisol can also cause low levels of immune function. So it can suppress your immune system. Food is also critically important. So we know that sugar can suppress immune function over the hours that like after you eat it. Um, So those are just a couple of things that affect the immune system. Yeah. And I also thought just adding onto that as well about vitamin D, the deficiency of vitamin D, because that's got huge implications, hasn't it? And um, especially in terms of people with any issues with their central nervous system and autoimmune problems. Um, And the thing is, we've got different, you know, different parts of our immune system, but there's um, the part called the innate immune system. And I just thought, is that all right, just to quickly mention that? Um, And that's the first line of defense. So that's the part that identifies what it needs to protect from those foreign bodies and pathogens and that sort of thing. So that innate immune system, 
system is relying on trying to maintain that tolerance and that care to protect ourselves. But what happens is with the vitamin D deficiency, um, it's really interesting because um, the, it's, uh, it, vitamin D is involved in over like 2000 genes, which was amazing, you know, to, to think of how much that's involved. And here in Australia, with all the sunshine, um, there's a large amount of people that are vitamin D deficient, interestingly enough. So this is why it's quite a big interest in this part of the world. Um, and because if you think if it's involved in over 2000 genes, that's actually 10% of our genetic material. So if we are deficient in vitamin D, it's actually one of the first things we want to look at. So it's really important that we've got that vitamin D um, put, put aside there um, because that's where the vitamin D deficiency is heavily linked with lots of diseases. So do you think after the break, can we just discuss a little bit more about those proactive measures? And then we'll look at how we can bring in some dietary um, aspects into boosting our immune system. Sarah here. Do you love what you're learning? Do you want to take your health to the next level? In addition to my book on weight loss resistance, Finally Losing, I'm developing a number of masterclasses on the evidence-based treatment of some troublesome women's health issues. We are going to cover hair loss, acne, how to support your body for preconception and pre-pregnancy, and so much more. To find out more, follow me on Instagram at drsarah__nd or go to advancedwomenshealth.ca slash podcast to be the first to find out when they're released. Welcome back. So just before the break, we were talking about different factors to do with coronavirus and what it is, how we can prevent it with hand washing, becoming more aware of our, our subconscious behaviors. And then just before the break, we talked about the nutritional side of things. And we started to consider, for instance, vitamin D and the, the deficiencies that can happen there. So just carrying on from that, we're going to look at probiotics because they are really important for us. And the reason for that is that probiotics will start to change the microorganism microorganisms that we have within our body and if we think about it this is where we are so exposed to ex the um, external environment with the different toxicities and as Sarah said before the break that within the digestive system that really is that the whole immune system is is working very much there isn't it um, and because of that when we take a really good probiotic it's improving the communication um, by stimulating the immune response and that helps to just help to boost overall health and well-being and we've talked in season one and I just wanted to mention this again how the bacteria within our internal environment within our, our skin and our mucus you know all the mucus membranes there's actually more bacteria lining those areas than we actually have as cells within the human body so it's so so important that we are so vigilant and careful with our internal environment probiotics and gut health Absolutely. And it's really important with probiotics as well. I always say different types of bacteria are like different breeds of dogs. You know what I mean? A chihuahua is not going to do the job of a German shepherd. And so it can be, especially if you have an autoimmune disease, if you have eczema or allergies or some type of atopic condition, it's really important to get support from someone in terms of choosing the type of probiotic because the way they regulate your immune system is important. Um, there's different arms of the adaptive immune system. So that's essentially after innate, your body starts to get specific and the adaptive immune system kicks in. And so with that, we want your body to be able to choose whether it's fighting a bacteria or a virus or whether it's fighting a parasite. And so vitamin D is also really important in the regulation of that. So your body doesn't just flip back and forth between 
autoimmune disease and something like allergies, right? We want the, the immune system to be able to work appropriately and to see, okay, I see your cell. That's, that's normal. I'm not going to fight it. Ooh, but I see that bacteria or virus over there. I'm going to deal with it. That's what we want the body and the immune system to do. And probiotics have so much research. Again, specific probiotics for specific people, but they have so much good quality research um, showing that they help with the immune system's ability to recognize appropriately and also address appropriately. So they're so cool. I used to be a probiotic researcher, so I'm a bit of a snob. <laughs> Admittedly, my patients laugh at me, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but they, they can be very helpful, definitely. And I just thought, um, bearing that in mind, could we consider how we can bring in food into this, into the equation? Because, um, it, you know, that is really our fuel and we want to use things that are going to support our immune response. Absolutely. So we already talked about sugar, right? And yeah, how yeah. in this moment in time, as much as you can be stressed and you can want to have the drive towards comfort eating, this is the exact moment in time that we do not want to do this. Um, yeah. So that's something to consider. And sugar and anything that breaks down into refined sugars is going to be something that you want to be mindful of. And also, as I know we're going to talk about, just focus on generally healthy things high in something called polyphenols, which are really highly colorful fruits and vegetables that are rich in antioxidants. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, because when we eat antioxidants, they're fantastic, aren't they? Because they are actually going to help to defend ourselves from damage, from all those external um, influences that can come in, viruses and that sort of thing. So we want to really look after every single cell and all the tissues within. Because eating a diet that's really rich in, um, you know, that's high in antioxidants, um, that's really good for our blood. It's uh, going to help to reduce that, that sort of breakdown and disease factor, isn't it? But could we just give some little top tips of some of the key ones that uh, certain foods that are really good and are high in antioxidants? So um, do you mind if I just fire away with a few so that if everyone's got their piece of paper and they've got their shopping list, apart from getting toilet paper, which you really don't need in a, in a situation like this, I hasten to add, um, what is much more important are foods that are high in antioxidants. So we've got things that, such as dark chocolate, if you want to feel like you you need a little bit of a, a support during those in days moderation i know okay okay <laughs> miss heidi hadley in moderation okay <laughs> and then we've got pecans blueberries strawberries artichokes goji berries then we've got raspberries kale red cabbage beans beetroot spinach they're all the sorts of things I actually put into my smoothies in the morning, which is great when you start to look at those things. But those are the ones that actually will start to really boost and support your immune system. Um, and that's what we need. So as Sarah said before, you may want to go and opt for a bit of comfort food, but just think to yourself, what do we need to support the and increase the arsenal within our immune system at this point? We need the, the antioxidants to be, you know, the foods to be rich in antioxidants um, and, you know, look at how we can support ourselves from the inside out. Absolutely. And from a general health perspective as well, looking at general immune system support, there are plenty of herbs and other nutrients that have a lot of really good quality support behind them. And so as much as, again, I'm being descriptive and not prescriptive, um, there are a variety of things to think about from a general perspective. I'll talk about ones that have been researched in coronavirus later on, um, but things like vitamin A are very important for the viral immune system, so that's something to consider. Not if you're pregnant, though, warning. A lot of these things don't apply if you're pregnant. Um, elderberry has a lot of really good quality research. I love elderberry. It's something that I always have in my house. Um, Andrographis is an herb that's specific to 
to upper respiratory tract and lung inflammation. So it can be incredibly helpful. Mushrooms is something else I add to the list, both culinary mushrooms and also mushroom-based supplements because they're really high in something called beta-glucans, which is critical for the, the immune response. Um, garlic extract and also adding garlic and onions and things like yeah, that to your, your dietary yeah. outline right, can be very critical. And there's something, especially when it comes to the respiratory system that I use all the time, and it's called N-acetylcysteine or NAC. And so it has been shown to have a really dramatic impact on viral pneumonias. So whenever there's something like this going around, um, it can be important. It's also a really strong antioxidant. So it's something that I use all the time just to help with general day-to-day aging processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are some dietary principles and some herbal and nutrient principles that you can think of. But there's also a lot of lifestyle measures. So why don't you take it away and chat about that? I will do. Can I also just put an extra little bit in there? And that is that um, in our house, we have Manuka honey. And so we'll often have like a teaspoon of Manuka honey. We'll put it into hot water and we'll have that because a lot of these um, drinks out there, you know, um, different sort of paracetamol based drinks, they are loaded with a lot of sugar. You know, so the thing is, although people might go, well, there's sugar in the Manuka honey, it's a different type of sugar, you know, and we're looking at how we can use the active ingredient within Manuka. And if it's got a high natural antibiotic, antiviral property, it's a really good one for that. But if you have got sore throats, it's a really nice way of just coating that soreness on your throat. So that's Manuka honey, teaspoon of that in a bit of hot water. Bob's your uncle. It's good stuff. It really is good stuff. So if we go on to the stress management, because actually, Sarah, this is very important. Um, And it's been, if I can just mention, it's been quite a concern watching quite a primitive behavior and action happening here in Australia, don't know if it's happening elsewhere, but you know, I mentioned earlier about the toilet paper, but seriously, it's not funny. There are things going on where people are actually having fights in supermarkets over toilet paper. And so what's happening is people are getting sucked into this fear mongering, this propaganda that the end of the world is coming. And in actual fact, it's just about having the being prepared for what you need, um, and but it's becoming very animalistic. It's really quite unpleasant. It's not something that's a great side of humankind to be seeing. So what we need to do is is rein this in. And we've talked before, and we'll talk again about mindset and stress management and behaviour. And when we live in that stress response, and we just are reactive to everything, we are living in that primitive part of our brain, the survival mechanism. And that's basically what we're seeing at the moment. So if we can rein that in, stop us being um, pulled in by the clickbait, as I call it. So there's the most dramatic headlines, because at the end of the day, the media just wanted to get that dramatic headline out there for, for more downloads or whatever. If we can start thinking a bit more objectively using the prefrontal cortex, which is focus, awareness, concentrate, concentration, decision-making, all that sort of thing. It's actually really important because when we do that, we start to manage our stress. We start to listen to our internal dialogue. We do not get sucked into everything that's going on around us. And we just think, how can we get what we need for that moment in time for our family? And so thinking of the stress management side of things, because obviously as a clinical somatic educator, I'm very much aware of how our mind and body work very closely together. Um, I talk a lot about somatic awareness and that mindful awareness to what's happening, what's happening with our mind and body. And so obviously I go into a lot more detail online with my online program, but what I want to do here is just mention a few of those points. And that is looking at how 
those stress responses that are coming from all avenues at the moment are starting to affect us emotionally, mentally, and physically. So it could be that we start to notice our breathing becomes altered. We might become in short, shallow breaths. Um, and with that, we know that that is starting to change the central nervous system from uh, rest and digest into the stress response. So we want to start to see how we can develop more of a mindful somatic breathing practice. So just breathing in deeply, exhaling slowly, noticing that silent pause before we breathe again. So those three distinct phases. And then also noticing, and as we've talked last season, about the stress postures that people develop. So if you're starting to notice that you're going into a stress posture, which is your default posture, could you create some gentle somatic movements just to reset the way that your brain is talking to your muscles? Because again, we're realizing that we're allowing the subconscious part of our brain to, to create these subconscious muscle tension, contraction postures. So we've got to try and create more of a mindful approach to how we're standing, how we're moving, how we're breathing, but then added to that, how we're thinking. So if we feel that we are getting um, stressed and anxious about all these headlines, can we just take a step back and start to just think with more of the rational part of our brain that what we're teaching here at the moment about how we can support our immune system, how we can reduce the stress response, because when we are stressed, it actually lowers our immune function, that when we actually become more mindful and we don't allow stress to take over, we can take greater care of ourselves. Wonderful. And you guys may notice that Heidi giggles partway through, but that's because every time she says the word posture, I sit up (laughs) because I am as guilty as everyone else of not having the best posture, especially sitting in my basement recording this beautiful podcast. Um, So that's why I make her giggle. Um, So to wrap up this episode, right before we get into our takeaways, I wanted to list for you guys a little bit of the evidence that's coming out on coronaviruses in the past. So that's SARS, for example. Um, And I'll link the research study in the show notes just so you guys can, again, empower yourself in this. Um, But this is previous ones. So this is not COVID-19, but this is previous ones. Also, just ha- known to have a dramatic impact on the immune system. So there's an herb called resveratrol um, that can be very, very supportive to general health and longevity. There's a lot of really good research in fertility actually as well, but that one has been shown to have an impact on viral replication. Lactoferrin is really supportive to the gastrointestinal immune system as we spoke about. There is a study right now in China that's on quercetin and high doses of quercetin, like 500 milligrams. Um, quercetin is a mast cell state stabilizer, but it's really important for that innate immune system. And then as we already spoke about herbs like elderberry, um, nutrients like N-acetylcysteine, beta-glucan, zinc are all very important to consider. So I'll link the research article so that everyone can have a look through it. But if you're trying to empower yourself with something, why don't you just focus on getting your immune system healthy first and foremost by taking the lifestyle tips, taking the dietary tips, and then having a couple of things on hand. I have a supplement arsenal in my house in case anything does happen. Um, Autoimmune conditions run in my family. So I do, it's really important for me to be aware and and see what's happening. So again, Mm -hmm. not to induce fear, but just to be proactive in these situations. That's right, yeah. So let's wrap it up and let's go through and do our takeaways. 
Thank you, Sarah. I was just going to say, because what I'd love to do is mention those three takeaway points, because this has been such a, an, um, a very, very, there's a lot of information here, basically. So let's just bring it down to three takeaway points here. So on my end, I'd say basically to become mindful of how often you're touching your face. Can we start to reduce the frequency of that? Maybe if you're in a seminar or you're wherever you are, could you maybe place your hands on your knees and just keep them there as a deliberate action at this point, just to reduce the amount of times you touch your face, your nose, your mouth, your eyes. Also just to be washing hands much more regularly than we had before, maybe every 20 minutes or so for 20 seconds. Can we avoid hugging and handshaking for the moment? Those sorts of things. And then the third one is don't, please don't get sucked into all the panic because remember that when we get stressed, we lower our immune function. And so it makes us more susceptible to picking up infections. So really just don't allow yourself to get wound up and stressed by all this. Just keep thinking, how can we stay boosted internally? And another thing, speaking of the basic hygiene, because that's one of my big takeaways is, of course, the stress in the basic hygiene um, is consider your cell phone. Our mm -hmm. cell phones and our wallets and the bottom of our purses sit everywhere. And so we can be really mindful about washing our hands, but then as soon as you pick up your cell phone, you're re-exposing yourself. So that's just something to be aware of as well. Cell phones are, studies have been done, they're very gross in general. I can't tell you how many patients I know of who use their cell phones in the washroom. <laughs> and so it's, and I'm sure we've all been guilty of it. I'm not pointing the finger, but from that side of the coin, just be mindful of those surfaces as well. So your wallet, your cell phone, things that are in regular contact with other surfaces. Uh, one of my other takeaways is whether it's just cold and flu season or whether there's something more serious happening, we need to consider our immune health and we need to be prepared. So you don't want to wait until it's too late in order to be mindful and take action, which is why we emphasize proactive care here. And finally, I do think working with a practitioner to have an immune cocktail that is right for you can be so helpful. And it can also help to reduce stress knowing you have something on your side. So we're traveling into the city because I'm doing a speaking event. And so I already have our cocktails lined up just so that our whole family can support ourselves. So again, just one final takeaway. Brilliant. So it's been really good this episode, hasn't it? And um, I really can't wait to share the, the next exciting installment. Um, we're actually going to start talking about the trap of busyness and we're going to break that down. There's actually two episodes that we're going to cover that in. So um, I'm ready to get started. Are you, Sarah? Absolutely. Okay. See you all. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.